And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Hi, and welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Lindsay Jones from The Athletic, and this is day three of the NFL Draft, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Nate Tice and Dane Bruglou, who are still in Las Vegas. I'm not sure if you guys have gotten up off of that couch. No, I brought a change of clothes. I think <laughs> even though I live here, I stayed overnight here. No kidding. But we do have ingrained uh, seats on this couch. You ever see like Simpsons with Homer Simpson? Like he has like the permanent spots uh, I can in imagine there. it. That's exactly um, where we're at at this point. Well, I am glad to see that you guys have changed clothes at some point um, because you guys have been doing uh, tremendous work. Um, I will say I am here in Denver. I've been watching and covering the draft from here. I went out to the Broncos facility on Friday during the second and third rounds, and uh, I, I had you guys in my ear basically the whole time. So um, hopefully all of you guys have enjoyed listening to Dane and Nate and Robert's analysis over the first couple of days. And now we're going to get into day three, and we're going to wrap up um, kind of some of our overall thoughts of the draft. So I think the biggest takeaway for me for from day three is that the trends that we saw that started Thursday and into Friday, they really carried over into day three of the draft. And that was this miserable quarterback class and how nobody wants to draft a quarterback. So we're recording right now midway through the seventh round. And where we're at right now, only five quarterbacks have been drafted. So almost certainly this is going to be a record low for quarterbacks um, kind of in this era. The previous low was seven. That was in 2015. That was the Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota class where they were one and two. And then the rest of the class, it was what, like Brett Hundley and mm. – Garrett Gilbert. I mean, it, Garrett it was Grayson. not a yeah, Garrett Grayson. Grayson, yeah. Grayson State, yep. Through the first couple rounds of the drafts, I mean, the quarterbacks were just plummeting, right? I mean, there was one in the first round of the draft. Three guys went in the third round. Sam Howell didn't go until the fifth round. Brett Bailey Zappi went in the fourth round. We're not going to be at a record low for quarterbacks, but this has been a really, really rough year for passers. So before we get into much more of day three, what's your takeaway from this quarterback class and what happened here on Saturday? We thought this going in, right? It's not like this is a, a huge surprise, although the lack of quarterbacks in the top 50, I think that was a surprise. You know, because what ha history tells us these guys get pushed up. Uh, that did not happen this year. And so just a, a big, it's the first time in over two decades, we only had one quarterback in the first 50 picks. Uh, you know, that being Kenny Pickett at 20 of the Steelers. So, and, and here on day three, we're still seeing some, you know, Bailey Zappi came off the board, um, but some of these later round, probably undrafted guys are getting drafted over a Carson Strong, over a Jack Cohn, over EJ Perry. Uh, and, you know, talking about Skylar Thompson just, off, just went off the board to to the Dolphins. So it's just, eyes. the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And it's so true with quarterbacks. Uh, it's a really fascinating group. And, it, it's kind of refreshing that we didn't see all these uh, teams reach on a quarterback. Uh, so from that perspective, I guess it's a little refreshing, but still a little surprising. 
Yeah, I don't know if, if I want to say it's an overcorrection, but it kind of felt yeah. like usually how I, I looked at quarterbacks is usually the half round inflation. So if a guy's a third round grade, okay, maybe he goes to the early second. Mm-hmm. If a second round grade, he goes to the late half of the first round. And this year, it seemed like a lot, even just my own board, looking at Dane's board, looking at other boards I've seen uh, online, just kind of hearing chatter about, it was a lot of second, third round grades. So it kind of figured, okay, maybe a lot of these guys run into the second round. It may be a couple sneak into the end of the first. So when Pickett went 20, it was kind of like, okay. We, we, we Every time there's a trade up, it was like, <gasps> you know, every time in the second round, I was like, ooh, we could see these guys going for a quarterback. But it, it seemed like everybody just stuck with what they truly had these guys graded on. That's what this class was. It seemed like a lot of second, third round types and then late day three types. When the Lions traded up from 32 up to 12, would anybody have batted an eye if that was from Malik Willis? Like, I, I don't think that would have been a huge shock. And I think, you know, correctly, I think they made the right move. They went Correct. for Jamison Williams. They went for the playmaker. And then Jamison Williams, or excuse me, uh, Malik Willis falls to the to the 80s. And, and so it's just, it's a fascinating quarterback group uh, that just really goes against against history and what we're used to. Yeah. Well, well, and when I look at that group too, I mean, draft position at, at that, a quarterback position more than any other it lingers, right? I mean, these guys are always going to be known as a third round draft pick, a fourth round draft mm-hmm. pick, a fifth round draft pick. That's going to change the way that um, their current franchises view them, that mm-hmm. if they end up getting cut or traded, that their future franchises are going to view them. So, you know, it really is going to impact these guys throughout the rest of their careers. As as you sit here now and you look at the guys who have already been drafted, whether that's, you know, Kenny Pickett all the way back on Thursday night through the guys who went this afternoon, if you had to pick one who has the best odds, Nate, I know you love odds here, to uh, be starting at some point in 2022. Do you see a path for one of those guys who's who's the most likely option here? I mean, it's got to be Pickett. Uh, you mean, almost have to say yeah. besides Pickett because that's, I think, yeah, that, yeah that's, uh, that, that I would agree with Pickett definitely has a chance. But besides Pickett, I don't know any of these guys. Not really because if – Maybe Ritter? I, maybe Ritter. Ritter has a lot of starter quality or early starting qualities, but it kind of seemed like their plan was to roll with Mariota this year in Atlanta and like almost – I thought they would take maybe more of a project guy like Malik Willis or something like that. But yeah, Ritter might be the other one if they if he has a good camp or halfway through the year, they decide to take a chance on him. But well, I think Willis is a, a far away. Yes, yes. And you know, <laughs> far away. as soon as those Carson Wentz interceptions start going, uh, the Sam Howell chants are going to be loud uh, <laughs> yes. in Washington. So, uh, you know, you never know. Maybe we could see a Sam Howell at some point. But yeah. they, they believe in Carson Wentz. So, yeah. uh, and they drafted Sam Howell in the fifth. So, yeah, it is really hard to see any of these quarterbacks being big contributors aside from potentially Kenny Pickett. And and Lindsey brought up a great point with just pedigree and it's just how we consider these guys. Like if and we talked about this after Willis got picked, something about uh, there's you can look at it historically and everything, but when a guy gets taken in a second, it becomes more the whispers are louder earlier. And then all of a sudden, a guy, a quarterback has a round three with them. It's all of a sudden a fan. Mm-hmm. And everybody's expectations just drop. It could be a 10-pick difference. But like you said, they have that pedigree of R2 in front of them or R3 in front of them. Everybody's kind of viewpoint of these guys. Yeah. Now, I think Willis isn't going to have that rush now because, oh, he's a, he's a third-round project. Okay, we're fine. But if he went, like, say a team moved up into the teens and took him, fan base gets really loud, like, as soon as, like, there's blemishes with the starter. So it's just, yeah, now that they're round three guys, it seems like all these teams are fine taking their time with them. Well, I will say I, um, and I I wrote about this that's going to be up on The Athletic tonight or tomorrow morning, but so I was out of the Broncos facility on Friday and who comes strolling in to the field house right before the uh, the, uh, second round's about to start? Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. Just comes on in. It was almost like he went in there because he wanted to like throw a little bit and didn't realize that like 
that's where the media was watching the draft. But he came in, he had like just worked out, he's got a football in his hands. And he like comes over and he chats a little bit. And it was like, I will say being in that building, when they did not need to draft a quarterback <laughs> after the alternate universe that they've been living in forever. And, you know, we kept kind of talking through like, how different would this have been for the Broncos? Like they would have been one of those teams that was like, do we have to push up? So this was a really good year to be a quarterback have to have been one of those teams who had already made a move yeah. and a really bad year to be one of those teams that maybe needed to reach or, or to be like the Seahawks where you're coming out of this draft rolling with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. I mean, that's a really, really rough place to be. A team like the Colts, I mean, they, how lucky did yeah. they get that Matt Ryan all of a sudden became available right. because they were yeah. in that same type of deal. And it's just, it's musical chairs. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be the, the team left without a chair. Uh, and it's just, it's a bizarre quarterback market that changes daily. I mean, here we, Bake, Cleveland can't not get rid of Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. I, you know, like that's right. where we are right now. But uh, at the beginning of the process where, you know, Washington's giving up all this draft capital for, for Carson Wentz. And so it's just, it's bizarre the quarterback market, the the ebbs and flows throughout, especially this off season where we saw so much movement. It's a draft class that was below average at the yep. position, so really, really unique year. And uh, it's I don't I'm not gonna say this is a new normal because each quarterback off season has its own identity, its own kind of feel to it. Yep. Uh, and you know next year's draft class should be a lot better. You know we'll we'll see, but I mean it's the most important position on the field, most important position in sports. And it, teams are, you know, kind of that you have to do what you have to do to get your guy. Yeah, I think the only constant is now that everything is going to be so uncertain now, and that, and that I think a lot of these quarterbacks is they realize the power they wield. I guess is a good way to put yeah. it. And they, they're, and I keep making this comparison that they're more like NBA stars, not like all players mm -hmm. on that, but just the quarterback in the sense that hey, the franchise goes where I want to go. <laughs> so yeah. hey, I don't like what you're doing with this franchise. All right, that trade market starts opening up. Like. I think that's more. It's more of an understanding of how important that is. Of course, other positions are too, but how important that position is, and the quarterbacks realize the weight that they carry now. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I will say one of the other trends that we saw throughout this draft was the dominance of the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, Fifteen Georgia players were drafted this year. That is a record for the seven-round format. That's one more than LSU had in 2020. Um, that's more than Alabama's ever had. That's more than the University of Miami had during kind of those those early 2000s years. Um, so, Dane, when you were evaluating this class and studying all of these Georgia guys. Did you think it was going to be a 15? What did, what kind of is your takeaway from what the Bulldogs did this weekend? Yeah. And I remember back in January giving our uh, athletic Georgia beat writer, Seth Emerson, a heads up like, Hey, they're, they may have a chance here, legit chance <laughs> to break the record. Um, and I remember Seth actually talked to Kirby about that. And Kirby said, no, nah, not going to happen. I don't, I, I don't think you understand how hard it is to get 14, uh, which would have tied the record. And here we are, and they broke the record. So that dominance that they showed throughout the season, through the playoffs, national title game, it's continued here uh, on draft weekend. And it started early uh, with all those first-rounders. And we saw, what, seven defensive players go in the top 100 uh, alone. That, I mean, that, that was fantastic. And yeah. then the, the two players that I, I coming into today, I was not 100% sure they would get drafted. Uh, Darian Kendrick, the corner, who's got some off-field stuff, is – Workout his forty was terrible, uh, but you know flashes on tape, and so if he could be more consistent, he could be a draft pick. Uh, he ends up getting drafted, I believe, by the Rams, and then uh, Fitzpatrick, the tight end, who was a combine snub, uh, more of a blocker, uh, not a guy that had a ton of receiving production, 
but one of the better blocking tight ends in this draft, but not sure he was going to get drafted. He gets, uh, he gets taken and that, that ended up, uh, did uh, give them the record. So that dominance we saw in the field translates to draft, uh, draft time and you know, it's a recruiting tool that, you know, George is going to dip into quite a bit here. Yeah, it was early and often. It was <laughs> those guys started coming off the board early, and they just every round there's a couple couple bulldogs going. Some on the same team, like with the Packers. Um, but even like when you know the role playing third linebacker goes in the top 100 picks or in the third round, really, uh, uh, or actually it was just outside 100. But that's like just the the talent level that they have, and that's just on one unit, just their defense. And then they have all these interesting offensive players like a George Pickens and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. I mean, there's a reason they. Had such an incredible year. You said that you mentioned the LSU record. Well, that was a team just recently that had a historic yeah. season as well. So it's like, yeah, talent. As much as we want to say coaching and everything, talent matters as well. Was who is your favorite Georgia player to go based on either team fit? Um, what's your favorite Georgia pick? That's a good one. Um, I mean, I think you can really make a case for Jordan Davis um, going to uh, Philadelphia. You knew Howie yeah. Roseman uh, was not going to be able to pass and. Turns out he was aggressive. He traded up for him. He leapfrogged the Ravens uh, to go get him. So I think that that definitely makes sense. Um, Quay Walker going to the Packers. You know that you know how much they like size and traits at, at that position, especially. And Quay Walker is that one year starter. Uh, you, you like the instincts, but you love the length. You love the wingspan. You love the athleticism. Four five two at two hundred and forty five pounds, almost the size of a defensive end. Uh, with the way he moves. So uh, th- those two guys stand out for me. Yeah, and I'll, I'll stick with the other Packers one, Devontae Wyatt. I, I like yeah. where they, they're going to have him on the front there in, in Green Bay. Um, I think that's a great kind of plan for him and ease him into the role and decide. I mean, they like to move their guys around that defensive front, so I, I think that will be great for him going kind of inside to outside three, some four-eye stuff for them. Also, uh, I, I, there's character concerns with him, but I do like George Pickens. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he went about where I thought he should go. But I like him with the Steelers. I, I, I think that's a yeah. it's a good outside option for them. He can do some maybe some slot vertical stuff, um, and a little more developmental than I think people wanted to. I think both of us have said yeah. that day, and I actually oh. made me feel better when I, I thought the same thing. Uh, more developmental to him than maybe a plug and play guy, but he has some really good ball skills and he's a competitive player as well. And he's going to a spot where he's not going to be expected to go in and be the one, yes. the two. Uh, I mean, you could they can sprinkle him in and get him these looks and maybe almost be like a. Like kind of like Claypool was his rookie yeah. year, where uh, you know you give him these opportunities, see what happens, let, let him go make plays. I mean, Pickens led Georgia in receiving when he was a true freshman. Yeah. It, it's hard to go to, to the SEC at a big program like that and have that type of production, but he did. So would not be surprised at all if he has you know not consistently one you know one game he might have you know one target, yeah. one catch for six yards. The next game he might blow up, and then he might have a two game stretch where you know we don't see much from him, but then blows up again. I yeah. think that's what the expectation should be for that rookie season for Pickens. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. All right, so now let's get into a little bit more of the day three stuff. Uh, we're going to rip through this superlative style. So I've got a bunch of topics, and I want you guys to just hit me with some of your favorites, uh, your your answers for these categories. So let's start with uh, let's start with the good stuff. Who is your favorite pick of day three? I'll go first. So uh, Perry Winfrey, Oklahoma. Uh, he was the one hundred eight pick uh, in round four to uh, the Cleveland Browns. This is what the Browns need. They needed that penetrator uh, at, at the three technique on the defensive line. Winfrey is still raw in areas. You worry about him as a run defender, but he's long. He he has that initial quickness. Uh, there's a lot to like about Winfrey's traits and just the, the raw ability. And so I thought that there was a good chance he could go in round two. They get him in round four. That definitely stands out. Um, I, I think Eric Johnson uh, from Missouri State was my top-rated non-combine guy. He goes to the Colts in, the, in round five. And then I got to mention Connor Hayward going to the Steelers, joining his big brother. How awesome is that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's to, to go to a situation like that where, uh, you know, different sides of the ball, uh, you, know, you know, Connor Hayward, this kind of do everything fullback, H back, uh, do a little bit on a little bit of everything on offense. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Yeah. I, and I'll go with the guy that started round four, uh, Kate Otten mm-hmm. and the, the started day three, Kate Otten to the box. Um, I really like this guy blocking more of a blocking tight end, but enough receiving skills has good hands. Didn't test, I believe. No, nope. he had some injury stuff. Uh, but this is a guy that when I watched him, the, I played against Michigan actually, and he held his own. Uh, There's real, real blocking reps against Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo. Um, they got the better of him a couple times, but it was what you want to see. And this is a great spot for him. I had him great as like a late third, early fourth, so it's kind of a perfect spot for him as far as my uh, rankings for him. Uh, but I really, really like that fit. They needed tight ends. They've lost OJ Howard. We have no idea what's going on with Gronk. You know, and as much as like Cameron Bray, we need more guys in there. Really like what he brings to the table for them. Um, other guys I like, I like Khalil Shakir to the Bills. Mm. And this is a, a personal favorite of mine. Um, I had I really had a second round grade on Khalil Shakir. And I think for the Bills, they needed a slot guy and perfect. Um, I think he does enough on the outside, but he can really make a living uh, from the slot. Good route runner and everything. I really like that. And they got him in the fifth round. So I really like that selection as well. So to follow up on what Dane said before, so Winfrey to the Browns also had like an epic interview. They got mm. him on a they got him on a Zoom call and he's like wandering around. It looked like he was like wandering around his house or wherever it was he was having his party. And he just like went off talking about how hard <laughs> he's gonna work and how excited he was to line up next to Miles Garrett. I think his quote was like, You line me up to the, next to Miles Garrett, this shit's over. 
Uh, the shit's <laughs> over with. He is a scary dude. Like, and nobody yeah. wanted to block him with the senior bowl. And when you just see him uh, up close and personal, he's he's a scary guy. How big he is, and how uh, and he's a very confident guy. So the way he comes off is very like matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you watch the tape and you see some good things. Uh, that that slanting front they had, not really the best situation for him. But uh, you love like guys with backfield production, and over forty percent of his tackles ended up in the backfield. So this is a guy that is used to playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Um, and now I will say the the other thing with your your other favorite pick with the Haywards, this is now the third set of brothers yeah. that the Steelers have. They have two Watts, uh, TJ and Derek. They've got two Edmonds, uh, Terrell and Trey, and now two Haywards, Cam and Connor. Um, cool. And then the the Cam Hayward and Connor Hayward, because they're, what, 11 years apart? Yeah. I mean, this, they're, you know, it's, it's not like they grew up, really even grew up together, but Cam Hayward's initial reaction was, well, I guess I got a roommate and right. uh, maybe a, a built-in babysitter. I mean, they're it, this is it's really, really cool for their families. Um, and it'll be really fun to watch some, uh, I don't know, D-end, tight end blocking drills yeah. during yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make the trip out to latrobe to just uh to watch how that goes that's an ideal situation for a rookie too because that's usually the biggest headache is they're trying to find housing and everything mm. so he's just he's just gonna bomb it with his brother he's got <laughs> so, it yeah he's got it made well. it's just cool because they're at very like different points in their life and yeah, they yeah. are so far apart in their careers and some growing up and, and and one. yeah, <laughs> Con- yeah. Connor, i think was like seven years old or something like that when cam went to ohio state so you know just he was a young kid uh, they and, never really got to like wrestle, you yeah, know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, this will continue that that bond and that that yeah. that that's so cool to see. It is. All right, so now let's go to our most surprising pick of day three. Yeah, my uh, mine isn't really more scouting wise, but it's more narrative wise, and that's the punk god Mazaria. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. only being not the first punter off the board, but not the second, but the third punter off yeah. the board, and. That's more, I, I'd be lying if I said I scouted every punter, but that's just more kind of the narrative that is built up, the kind of a, the mythos that's built up around the punt god. So that, I pro, I'm sure that was a little bit of a shock for some people. Just the fact that you're calling him the punt god. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was some excellent branding work that he did. Yes. Sure. I mean, that was yes. really well done by him and San Diego State to absolutely. get him yeah. the, the most epic nickname ever. The, yeah. the rare junior punter to come out early uh yeah i mean he's he had all the fanfare um and we'll see how it plays out i mean who knows buffalo might have got a steal with him i think the first pick in the sixth so uh you know we'll see how it plays out and you know my my pick is kind of in a similar vein in terms of a surprise uh that a guy that fell uh jamari sawyer from georgia yes uh six three three twenty a played left tackle primarily for the bulldogs and probably going to be a better guard. Uh, he's just not the type of athlete that you necessarily see uh, on the outside in the NFL. But uh, like I get it. He wasn't a big-time tester. Um, there, there's some You can poke holes in his game, but this guy was just – he just produced. Mm-hmm. He did not allow – he allowed one sack the last two years, and that was to Will Anderson, the, the best non-quarterback in college football. So it, it, this is a guy that – it was just consistently consistent yeah. uh, for the national championship, uh, Georgia Bulldogs. And so a little surprised that he fell as far as he did, went to the sixth round, 195. I thought he went to a perfect spot with the Chargers yes. where, yeah, they did draft Zion Johnson in the first, but you bring in a guy like Sawyer who's got that tackle guard versatility, yep. can be uh, you know that perfect depth piece. So even though he it did not go as high as maybe he thought or a lot of us thought, he went to a good situation, and I think there's a good chance he'll outplay that draft spot. Absolutely, and he played on an island against top tier yeah. guys. Not even just SEC. You know, they're playing Michigan too. You know, who we've already mentioned those guys. So 
it's it just, yeah, it, that one is, I, I really like that one because just also the situation with the Chargers is so perfect. Like that is like just, yeah. even if they were like, okay, interior depth or just depth, the fact that you can kick out maybe in a pinch, they need help still on the right side. Like, so it, it, that I, I really like that one as well. And what's the scouting motto? Traits over production. Yep. Okay. You focus on the traits, but with Sawyer, at a certain point, you just have to be watching the tape and saying, okay, nobody's beating this guy. Yes. So, you know, he, he's a guy that I thought uh, teams would really trust the tape on as, as opposed to looking and focusing on some of the areas where he maybe just didn't match up uh, perfectly with what you're looking yeah. for, but still a good player. And we both had round three-ish grades on yeah. them, you know, give yeah. or take. So that's, uh, yes, okay, okay, maybe round four, okay, then you're more, more mm-hmm. comfortable with it. But round six, hell yeah, well, I think, let's take a swing on it. I think his teammate guard uh, was drafted over him. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Su- so that was surprising. So, yep. yeah, we actually had our fourth punter just got drafted yeah. uh, here in the seventh. You're so the punter. Uh, the fifth specialist, I think, with one kicker off the yes. board. So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to circle back to those specialists because the first specialist who was taken was Cade York, the kicker from mm. LSU. He went in the fourth round. He's a guy who has trained with Evan McPherson, I believe. Um, same kind of kicking coach. And then we saw the 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 two uh, the first two punters go very shortly after him. So it was three specialists within the span of like nine picks in the fourth round. Has the valuation of these guys and the way that these guys are scouted now and the fact that we now have seen five punters drafted, do you think that's changed at all? Maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, it's it's tough with specialists because, yeah. you know, it's, you know, no one wants them until you need them. Yeah. Or, you know, it's and one kicker, of those things. kicker's so volatile. But yeah, punter's right. a little more steady. Yeah. So I can understand drafting the punter. I always feel like kicker is so like. I mean, it's confidence, really. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. Young Way, Young Way Koo got cut after a week and now he's just signing big <laughs> and now he's money. Awesome. For the, yeah. yeah. And right, shout out right. to the Atlanta Legends and the AAF for signing it. <laughs> uh, but no, but like Young Way Koo, like that's a great example for just like an undrafted guy. They bounce around. Kickers is just, just all situation. You hit one big kick and all of a sudden you're there for five years. Punter is more steady, more consistent. So maybe more of an emphasis of teams going like, do we really want this? you know, body that we don't really love, or do we want a guy that can actually affect the game and play right away? So, and I think for the Browns, they, I think they clearly saw one above average kicker in this draft yeah. and they didn't want to wait until the fifth to see if he'd still be there or the sixth to see if he'd still be there. So did they draft him maybe a little bit earlier than most thought, uh, both us on the outside and NFL teams? Yeah, probably. But if you have one guy above the rest, you kind of have to do that with a kicker uh, to make sure you get your guy. So uh, Cade York, yeah, not not a huge surprise he went in the fourth. And if he ends up being awesome, that'll be a really fun kicking division with uh, Evan McPherson well, and Justin it, Tucker. And it was what? last year, not this past year, but the year before that LSU Florida game uh, that went. You know, it, that was that was the same. It was a shoe game where the, the yes uh, <laughs> the shoe through the shoe. Yep. Uh, but it was that game where Cade York had this. Game-winning field. I mean, and Evan McPherson kind of got overshadowed in that game a little bit because Cade York was so good. So uh, we'll be talking about that game as you know the preview of these two uh, kickers potentially. Yeah, and I, I know I mentioned punters being more kind of the consistent, but shoot, I mean, how much the Bengals got on McPherson? Yeah. Uh, I mean, fifth-round pick, but that dude was ice cold. <laughs> that they that Burrow was ice cold in those late-game situations, but a quarterback's only as good as his, as his kicker. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you can lead them to that game-winning kick, and they miss it three times. Okay, well, that was fun. But and we it, all that, thought that he was going to get a shot at the end of that Super Bowl. I yeah. mean, and he it, didn't need that much more guaranteed. room. <laughs> it was like, just get him to the 40. Like, get him, get him near midfield. I know. And that's, you know, so if you want to see these, these guys do affect the game early and often. I mean, they really do. All right. Now let's talk day three value. Um, is there a team or two or a pick or two that you think was just tremendous value here on the final day of the draft? 
I mean, I think Jamar Sawyer kind of fits that, but uh, staying with the same position, uh, Darian Kennard from Kentucky, uh, he yep. went in the fifth round, uh, pick 145 to Kansas City. And you know, it kind of reminds me of last year when the Chiefs in the sixth round got Trey Smith. Yep. Uh, so they go back to the SEC and they get a guard uh, on day three who slipped a little bit because you know what? It doesn't always look pretty. He's yep. sloppy, but he's in, he's a mauler. He wants to overpower everything. And so... You get him with your offensive line coach. You get him in that room. You kind of get him to scale back a little bit, and you might have something. I don't think it would be surprising uh, at all if he turns out to be a steal uh pick 145. Yeah, Canard was my first choice as well just because it matches what the Chiefs are trying to do with their mm. really their whole offense now. I mean, first to start with the offensive line last year, going from more finesse to now more mauler power at you type of guys, and same with their receivers going from the Tyreek Hill – Trade kind of ship showed this shift going to MVS and Juju, kind of get more physical type of guys. And then, of course, I say that and they draft this guy more. Exactly. So. Uh, but uh, the, the other one, too, is just is this guy was so traitsy. I thought somebody would take a chance on him earlier, and that's Tariq Woolen, um, yeah. uh, who the Seahawks took. Uh, they took him in the fifth, and I thought, I thought somebody would take a chance on him, like in the third, uh, somewhere on day two, because I've seen much worse traitsy, height, weight, speed type of corners go on day two. Um, so that I just thought somebody would maybe take a chance on him. He is not a finished product. He is a, mm. he is a project, but he has excellent rare size and speed combination and length combination. So it's just an intriguing pick. And yeah, really that that was the one. I also liked uh, their yeah. other corner pick that the Seahawks had, uh, Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. It was another I the think, other Cincinnati the other Cincinnati yeah. who won the Jim Thorpe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but I think that's a guy they took on the fourth round. I I think he has the upside of maybe uh, being a solid number two type corner, and that's. Hard to find in the middle round, so seems I really like they like raced to get that pick in. Early I, in the fourth. He's a like good it was just seems player. like a no brainer for the Seahawks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of things to like with him, and it's yeah, it's funny because uh, Sauce Gardner last year saw 11 percent of the defensive targets. Uh, nobody threw at him, and so we'll try our luck with the other guy, and that won him the Jim Thorpe Award because yep. he stepped up to the plate and, and and knocked it out. So, and then yeah, I, I love your point with Tariq Woolen. A guy that's so rare, so unique, 6'4", 205, runs a 4'2", You just would think someone's taking a chance on that yeah. before before they did. So that was a, definitely a surprise. The value with that that defensive staff, what they want at that position, yep. that late in the draft, you, you love that. And actually, uh, one of my best uh, best value picks has went off the board to 257, Marquise Hayes from Oklahoma. I had this guy in the third round. I, I, I Marquise Hayes, really physical to point of attack, played – uh, can play guard. I, I think can play either side. I, there's a lot what you can do with Marquise Hayes, and I think the Cardinals just stole him here in the seventh round. I mean, this might be putting you in the spot, Dame, but do you know or look it up real quickly what the biggest gap between the where you got had a guy rated and where he ended up going this year or like any year? Uh, well, this year. This year, I mean, it's probably him. Um, uh, hit, uh, I had him in the third round. We mentioned uh, Sawyer. I mm-hmm. had him, I think, 54th overall. Um, again, just trusting the tape with him. And he ended up going 195. So uh, big disparity with some of these these guards uh, with maybe had him ranked higher than, than they ended up going. So we'll have to see how it plays out. And we are now uh, five picks, five picks to go, four, four or five picks to go. Mm-hmm. And you are perfect so far with the Beast? Uh, so far, yeah, there is not. I don't want to uh, jinx, we're, we're jinx you. Yeah, yeah. No. the Packers Sorry. are going <laughs> to take someone right now. But yeah, so far we're two fifty seven for two fifty seven in terms of at least being in the draft guide. Yeah. Uh, there have been a few scares. You know, there's a, a <laughs> undersized linebacker from Yale. TV, yeah, that one was. Uh, uh, yeah, ooh, yeah. The, uh, the other Oklahoma State corner that just went. So there's there's a couple like oh no, he was in there did right. You have yeah, any, okay. Did you have any Texas guys in the Beast? 
yeah, there were a few. We're 0 for Texas so far, right? Oh, my gosh. That's true. No Longhorns. Um, that's incredible that a guy from yale has gotten drafted before anybody from the university of texas yeah it is i mean cameron dicker (laughs) is not back just no no cameron dicker their kicker might have been the best chance that they had maybe 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 he'll sneak in here the last well chiefs won't take a kicker rams could take a kicker sure Never know. Charger, yeah. Charger, Chargers could take a kicker here at the end. Hey, you know, honestly, at this point, these these players are probably hoping they don't get drafted because they're yeah. th- their agents, you know, laying it out with the talking over the the eight options they have, going over signing bonuses, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And at this point, it's so it's okay to not to get drafted because you get to pick. Okay, let's look at the depth chart. Yep. Let's see. Okay, let's look at the coaching staff. What do they, they like to do? Yeah. Does it fit what I what I really appreciate doing on the football field? Is it a fit culture wise? What's my best route? My best path to sticking on a roster through training camp so yeah at this point it's okay to not get drafted because you're still getting those phone calls still getting uh chances to uh, sign with the team after the draft and it could be the Nate, most when you frustrating were, thing oh i was gonna say it's the most it, frustrating thing you're calling these players and they're like yeah, I'm yeah gonna I was gonna say, when you worked yeah. in personnel what is that like what oh, is going on right now right? there's yeah. five yeah. guys left five picks w- left once round middle of round six gets going every area scout assistant coaches they're getting together and going like, okay, who are the guys we'd like? Okay, I already have a deal with this guy or, or I've been talking to this guy if he fell. and But it becomes chaos. It turns into what is in college recruiting is years and years of work. It turns into about an hour of all these you know coaches and scouts trying to get together and just calling guys. They can be really frustrating because a team there might be two teams that it's like, wow, they're both offering 10 grand and a bonus and their situation is bad. And then it turns into full-blown. Hey, get the head coach on the phone. <laughs> you know, get, yeah. call him, call him up. Hey, what info do we know? And I'm, hey, do you know his assistant coach so we can butter him up? But it's so jam packed. It's it's chaotic. But it can be very frustrating when you're trying. To, and it, of course, you always want to get the guys you want, but you're trying to lay it out to him and go, "We have nobody. We have you're going to get so many reps in camp. You will get a chance to get that third tight end spot. You know, that fourth or fifth receiver spot. And they go to a team that just drafted two guys and has like a Pro Bowler, and and you're just like, okay, sorry, you know, sorry, your agent. You went. To Do you have a favorite, um, like a favorite recruiting moment that you could <sighs> share with us, or undrafted guy, or is there like a guy that you missed out on that it's always like? No. For me, it was that- I wasn't doing the recruiting. I was booking flights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but for for me, it was a lot of uh, like when I was calling these teams or calling the players. It was fun and kind of annoying. I'm trying to get information on them, and they're 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 enjoying their moment. They're just signed with a team, and so they're at parties, and so you're tra- and some of them are a little have a few drinks in them. You know, they're celebrating, and you're trying to like get. You're them like, drive. I just need your. Uh, I need your driver's number. license number. I need this. I'm setting up all their info, and I'm like, please, please, just tell me your like. How do you spell that? And then they're you know they're yelling, ah, yeah, give me another one. So <laughs> you'd get you'd get a lot of that going on. So that's more of like what the fun quote unquote fun stories. Did you ever was there ever a situation where there was a bidding war in terms of like okay, let's up the bonus, let's you know. Uh, any situations we, like that? We had that where we had to get the owner involved and go yeah. like, "Hey, because they give you a budget, and that's right. like, and that's what isn't like Jerry Jones is legendary. It's like his <laughs> undrafted free agent pool bonus is ridiculous, yes. and so it's like we only have fourteen grand to sign, you know, four undrafted DBs, and it's like you're trying to divvy up that pie, and it's like, well, I, I gave that guy eight grand, and so you get more arguments amongst like scouts and yeah. stuff going like about their deals and stuff, and then it's like it'd be hilarious that these teams will throw. Tens of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars at things, but then that two grand over the bonus, <laughs> over the bonus pool for the undrafted free agents, it's like, nope, can't do it. So I, I would always find that pretty funny that uh, there's some discrepancy there. Well, so I said, because the, the way that the CBA is structured is these guys that are late round draft picks, sixth, seventh rounders, I mean, they're going to all make 
the same amount in salary. They're going to make the mm. same rookie minimum, yep. but the bonuses is what's different. The so the fifth rounders make a little more than the sixth and the seventh. But some of these undrafted guys, because of, like you said, these bidding wars, um, it can really change. And when you're a beat writer and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, like, what's the how do you like power rank the undrafted guys yeah. and like who is the best chance to make the roster? And obviously you're looking at depth chart stuff, but then one of the things you can go in is like, well, how do they value them? What was the bonuses? And yeah. one of my favorite stories um, looking back was um, the 2011 class when that was the the lockout year. Mm-hmm. And so all of these guys didn't sign until July, yep. wow, yeah, the undrafted right. guys and the Broncos signed a whole bunch of those when I was at the Denver post. Um, and they they signed a big class of undrafted guys, and the smallest signing bonus on their roster was Chris Harris, the cornerback in Kansas. Wow. Who I remember his agent called me up and it was like, just watch this guy, just like just keep an eye on him. Just I, I'm telling you, just watch this kid. Sure enough, he makes the team. He goes on has like you know ten plus year NFL career. Had the smallest signing bonus well, that would out of be all the, of the undrafted guys. That would be the funny thing too with the free undrafted or all the rookies is a lot of teams. You know, this is the modern hazing is oh sing your fight song or sing a song in front of everybody. I had to do it as a rookie coach, uh, but you know sing sing a song and. But for the rookies, it would be. We, we should have made you do that as like the rookie full time staff yeah, writer right? at the Athletic. Right, missed opportunity. And and they would make every guy that came up. So it'd be okay, you know, player X from Baylor, and then you had to say how much your bonus was. So it would be really funny when a guy came up yeah. and it was like, you know, twenty five, and you just hear him go, ooh, <laughs> and then, but then it would be it would be really cool. And this is a guy I brought up on the show a lot is Jalen Richard, uh, mm-hmm. uh, running back for us with the Raiders. He was a rookie minicamp invite, last minute invite. Then he got the the bump to come to training camp. So he was a zero zero dollar bonus guy and made the active roster and was a you know our kick returner and ended up being our third down back as a rookie who's a rookie minicamp guy. So that one was really funny because when he came up to saying he goes, Well you guys been you guys been calling me Jalen Richard. My name is Jalen Richard <laughs> and my bonus is zero dollars. And it was like okay. All right, but you're having a good camp, yeah, buddy. <laughs> respect. Respect. Yep. All right. So we're down to two picks to go, about to be at Mr. Irrelevant. So who are a couple of these undrafted guys to watch? Who are guys who maybe uh didn't hear their name called but now have an opportunity to pick their team and might end up in a in a better spot than they would have had they been drafted late here in the seventh round? So I don't think Jojo Doman, the Nebraska linebacker, has been drafted yet. Um, I, it's a little surprising. Mean, he's uh, a nickel player. I mean, his ability and coverage, his, his awareness, uh, the spatial awareness, I mean, that, that fits today's modern NFL. Um, I know there's some medical stuff going on there. I think that's maybe the, the biggest reason. But, uh, you know, he'll be, I think, a guy that's, you know, the, his phone's going to be blowing up. Um, Christopher Allen, the edge rusher from Alabama, uh, had a foot injury in the opener. He had, like, in the, in the season opener against Miami, First ten snaps, he was unblockable. That, that Miami had no answer for him, and then he broke his foot. He's out for the rest of the year, and instead of going back, he decided to enter the draft. Um, and he had a late workout. Uh, it, it did okay, but uh, you know, at that point, it's like, okay, where where do you place a guy like this in the draft? And I don't think he's been drafted yet. So Christopher Allen's would be another one of those guys uh, that fits. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the one I'll always just say is Justin Ross, but that's because of medicals. So yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah, even know if team will even sign him. But team, team's kind of just yeah. He's yeah. I know, and uh, unfortunately, but, um, Javon Hiley from Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. is yeah. a, a receiver I really like. I was pretty high on. I had a third, fourth round grade on him, but he was a not a combine non-invite. 
Um, but I, I think he could be a pretty, he's a good route runner, a good hands. He had a great shrine week, really productive guy. Um, I think, I think teams will be interested in him. I, I was very interested in hitting an invite to the combine. So, um, that's one that's off the top of my brain right now. And then a couple of quarterbacks, uh, uh DJ Perry from Brown yeah. and, and Jack Cohen from Notre Dame. I, yeah. I was going to say Wisconsin, but yeah, Wisconsin, then Notre Dame. Former Badger. Yeah. Former Badger. Um, uh, but, the, but those two, too, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that no one took me even the seventh round around those guys, you know, just to get some quarterback depth. One more guy, uh, Verone McKinley from Oregon, who uh, the last three years had 11 interceptions combined. I mean, just a guy that got his hands on the football. So, But guy that was undersized, didn't have elite speed. Uh, that, that's where you know teams are not going to trust the, tr- the tape on that. They're not going to trust the production if you don't have the traits. Uh, and that's where I think Verone McKinley got caught up with. What about the quarterbacks? Are they any of these guys who didn't make it? Carson Strong? Maybe, it's it's all about the knee. Yeah, it's, I mean – yeah, tried to kind of warn because you know, Carson Strong was, I know, a, a draft darling for a lot of people uh, on Twitter and out there. And just try to warn people like, listen, this guy, there's a good chance he's not getting drafted. Uh, the knee's an issue. And and to Carson's credit, he's been up front with everybody mm-hmm. since since the start. Um, you know, going to uh, the Senior Bowl, doing at the Combine. Like, he's he has not hid from the fact that the knee is a little bit of an issue and with durability and um so you know it's it's something that's going to probably keep him from getting drafted but he'll get he'll get his chance um and you know we'll see if he's able to maybe break through and even if he's starts as a camp arm uh, you know it that yeah it's exposure and if you you start where you start uh it it, you know it it shouldn't matter if you're drafted or not once you get to training camp uh it's just what what you do and you know sometimes there are some stubborn GMs who are going to keep their draft picks more than a guy they signed, but uh, you know, a guy like Carson Strong, uh, you never know. Okay, and, and then uh, not even quarterbacks. Yeah, I mentioned Perry and Cohen, but then uh, running backs, Max Borgie from uh, Washington State. I always want to say Wazoo uh, from Washington State. Liked him as kind of a receiving back. I actually liked his running ability a little bit more than I thought it would originally, but that's another interesting undrafted free agent. I thought maybe another guy that someone might sneak into round seven as just kind of a role type of guy. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now we have the last pick of the draft. We were talking about the guys who did were not going to get drafted. Mr. Irrelevant looks like it's a quarterback, but not one of the guys we necessarily were expecting. So what do you know about Mr. Irrelevant, uh, Dane? Yeah, Brock Purdy, who uh, he his career maybe went the different direction than, you know, usually you get better and better and better. His production, his numbers uh, kind of went the other way. But uh, this is – and he was benched at one point as a senior – um, but he's a really smart guy, really uh, competitive player. Not the biggest guy. I mean, he's a lot of things that you want intangible wise mm-hmm. a quarterback. He has that, and I, I kind of fits Kyle Shanahan with kind of what he looks like uh, looks for in, in a quarterback. So a little surprised he's drafted here, but I, I can understand the fit with the Forty ers Yeah, uh, totally. On completely on the same page. Yeah, you understand. He knows what he is, mm-hmm. <laughs> which doesn't have everything that you want but he understands that so he understands how to get the ball off on time and all that but there's some other things lacking as far as tools wise but yeah exactly what dane said all the intangible stuff and i think we're i think we're both in agreement we i uh, use more of an undrafted type of guy to me but this is mr irrelevant so yeah. my same you know split here. If, if everything hits right for brock purdy i think he has a colt mccoy career yeah, if yeah. everything goes right, if he hits a ceiling, it, it, the situation is what it is. I, I think he could be a Colt McCoy, which is not that's not a negative. I mean, no, you play in the league for ten years, so um, he won a few games in the uh, NFC West last year. Well, there you go, exactly. So yeah. it's it's his Nick Mullins. That's yeah, his, <laughs> right, exactly. It's his new Nick Mullins. That's what Brock Purdy is. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right, and he's going to get a parade or something yeah, you know, yeah. special jersey whatever goes else goes into being mr irrelevant so all right let's run through a few more of these superlatives as we kind of wrap up the weekend we'll let dane get on a plane go back to see his family mow his lawn <laughs> nate yes. you can drive back across town and yeah. see how all your your bets hit this weekend um <laughs> all right so let's get into some of these Let's get into our favorite classes. Nate, I know you and Robert are going to do another show Sunday night, going to be posting Monday morning. That's going to kind of wrap up a lot of stuff. But as we sit here right now, all of the picks are in. Who are a couple of your favorite overall draft classes? Dane, you go first. So the first article I do as soon as the draft is over is I power rank my top 32 favorite draft classes. And right now I'm kind of working through uh, who those first – I've narrowed it down to four that are kind of going for number one. And those four classes, the Jets, the Ravens, the Lions, the Chiefs, I absolutely love what each uh, each of those teams did. Uh, the Jets, I mean, obviously, with three first-round picks, you know, you should hit a home run. And you should – it should be a draft class you like. But even after that, with Brees Hall and Jeremy Ruckert on day two um, and, and what they did in the fourth round, Michael Clemens, Max Mitchell. So I love what the Jets did. Uh, I mean, they are doing everything that you – want your head coach and GM to do uh, in terms of surrounding your quarterback with talent. Um, so it, it's all on Zach Wilson now. You know What yep. are you going to do with all this talent around you? Uh, the Ravens with getting Kyle Hamilton and then Tyler Linderbaum in the first round. 
all the picks they had. Uh, David Ajabo in the second, uh, it's so awesome. That's uh, another one on uh, you know favorite stories is uh, kind of with uh, going back to his former teammate uh, in high school uh, with uh, Dafe Owe. Uh, There's a big reason why uh, David Ajabo play started playing football. Uh, you know he had not played the sport before until uh, you know he at that high school uh, was a junior, I believe, when he started to go uh, try out for football. So love that story. Uh, the Lions. Again, this is a theme with multiple first-round picks, but uh, getting Aiden Hutchinson, my number one player in the draft, then trading up, being aggressive, going to get Jameson Williams. Uh, to me, the best playmaker they've had on that roster since Calvin Johnson. Um, and so I, you, you love what they're building in Detroit. And then the Chiefs, uh, I love what they did with the first round with Trent McDuffie and then uh, coming back with George Karloftis. And then, you know, arguably my favorite pick in the entire draft was after the pick 50, getting Sky Moore, which is yes. not an apples-to-apples replacement for Tyree Kill. They're very different styles of player. But in terms of bringing an after-the-catch element to that offense – um, a guy that can win early, he can win vertically. Uh, I, I just think he gives the Chiefs uh, a guy that's going to be a lot of fun with Patrick Mahomes and that offense and all the things you can do uh, with the Sky Moore. Yeah, I, I mean, sorry if I took some of your teams there. Yeah, Jets and Ravens. I mean, yeah. that was a exact exactly with you. I love what the Chiefs did. I love what the Lions did. So I'm with you with all those. My other two, one of them, one of my other favorites um, is going to be a team that actually traded out of the first round. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. Um, I just liked a lot of the solid kind of like I could see what they're going for. Their first four picks, I really think they might get four starters out of them. Um, uh, Logan Hall, you know, I think their defensive line is aged, kind of like they're reconfiguring it a little bit. I yeah, like they, first- they didn't bring back Sue. Yeah. yeah and now it seems like they JP- probably won't. And JPP, and yeah, and so he's a guy that can move across the defensive line. I really like that. I think his best ball's in front of him. He was re- it was really coming together for him um, this past year. Um, Luke Decky from Central Michigan, I like him. I could slot in the interior line. Um, I really liked where they took him. Rashad White at running back in the third round. He's a personal favorite of mine. Love the fit there. His style, his size, has enough juice, has great receiving skills. Uh, I made a joke on the live show that I can already picture Tom Brady throwing him about. 15 three-yard check down yeah. so he could fall forward for a first down. <laughs> um, and then really, the, I already mentioned the name, but Kate Otten. Um, I really think it will be a starting tight end for him sooner rather than later, uh, some, somewhat because of necessity, but also because he's worthy of that. But I really like that for a team that didn't have a first-rounder, getting four potentially pretty good players with their first four picks. And then the other team I want to throw in here is actually the Falcons. And this mm-hmm. is this is a team more that they took some personal favorites. I, I, Drake London was my receiver one. Um, uh, Desmond Ritter is my QB one, like where they ended up with Ritter. That is so I'm much more comfortable with Desmond Ritter in round three than pick 20. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Um, Troy Anderson's an intriguing player. His, he is not a finished product at all. He's just learning how to play linebacker really, but really interesting traits there. That's a good situation too. It is. Where, yeah. He won't be pressed in the, in the field from day one. Yep. Bring him along on his own pace. It's a yeah. team that doesn't. They need they need them, but they don't need them right. like right now. They're finally losing games. Like yeah. that's the thing. Let's just get these talented guys. Same with Arnold Abichetti, and they also took him as well. So these guys, it's just I like the it's just a nice blend. And on top of it, in round five, Tower Algier, uh, running back that I really like, and I think Dana likes as well. Oh, yeah. But good size, and it fits really, really well in what Arthur Smith likes to do in the run game. I'd throw the Texans in there as like kind of just like a sneaky, quietly good 
draft. I mean, it's I like think a culture that, that, draft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they obviously they just needed players everywhere, yep. right? I mean, they, their roster needed like a complete overhaul. But I kind of like what they did. You could like kind of see a plan there. Um, and then God, the Ravens. I know you guys already both said the Ravens, but it's like they're just playing a different game than everybody else. Yeah. That yeah. it. It's, Good I don't players fall to the Ravens like, every year. Their day one year. was awesome. Their day two was great. And then day three, they start with like, what, six fourth rounders? It's yeah. like, <laughs> I, I mean, any way you look at it, it was a great day. Part of that, this article that I do is, you know, when I power rank them, I, I, I do my favorite pick in each class. Yeah. And then a day three player who could surprise. And with the Ravens, it's like, oh, there's like eight guys I could yeah. choose from here that would make sense. Uh, you know, like a Daniel Falalele. Uh, yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny. Not too long ago, uh, in the third round, the the Ravens, uh, you know, took a overweight uh, tackle from Oklahoma, or you know, a, a bigger guy that nobody yeah. wanted, and uh, worked out okay. Yeah. Next thing you know, uh, Orlando Brown is is uh, you know one of the higher paid tackles in the league, and yeah. uh, so that kind of happens again here, but in the fourth round where they take a guy that's a little different because he's he's so big, he's not the best mover, but uh, in the fourth round, yeah, they, see if he could be your long term right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think the only knock on their draft is that they didn't take a receiver. I mean, they traded away Marquise Brown and they didn't really get – I mean, I think there might have been uh, – unless they took one in the seventh. But they took two tight ends. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Eric DaCosta indicated that they're not done at receiver. So I imagine their undrafted group will have some receivers there. Mm-hmm. And they might still be exploring um, the veteran market. I don't – They, I'm not they just love <laughs> Rashad Bateman. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Join the club, right? You're, yeah. you're a captain oh, yeah. of that fan they club. Re- they read my, my gushing report on him. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say that would be the only kind of knock on their class to me. But even though, I mean, they traded Marquise Brown in the middle of the draft and got like insane value for yes. him. So they traded him for 23 and then yes. traded that pick to 25 plus another pick and got Tyler Linderbaum. Yep. Um, probably the only thing you can criticize there with that is that it pissed off Lamar Jackson. But he Hollywood asked you know. for a trade, yep. you know. Yeah. It's, it's it, it, Lamar needs to take that up with, uh, yeah, with his uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but they don't seem to be really talking right now, which is <laughs> right. a whole other issue. But um, so yeah, I I am with you guys. So now let's let's flip it. What's the most confusing plan? The weirdest class, or the one that just does not make sense to you guys, top to bottom? Oh, Nate, you want to go first this time? Sure, and I'll just yeah, I'm gonna go with the Cardinals to start, okay. and. Yep. I thought this was a team, and they did. They got a nice actually pick late, so it kind of defeats the point for this. But <laughs> thought they really could have helped their interior line and their DB rooms uh, where they were picking on day two. And instead, they went for what I think is a luxury pick for them and Trey McBride. Mm-hmm. And so that was really confusing for me. I think it's a team, they're tr- grasping, they're trying to figure out what they are. I mean, I, I know the Coward situation isn't pretty, but it just seems like they do all these moves to kind of play fantasy football as opposed to like build the team. I know they took two trench guys on defense, but also those guys, Sanders from Cincinnati, you know, skinny, the production really wasn't there this past year. We talked about on the live show about maybe the usage based on Cincinnati's defense, but that uh, the Cardinals are a little bit confusing for me. And I know the Coward situation kind of causes some of that, but this is kind of what the Cardinals will have done really in the last few years as well. And also trained for Hollywood uh, first rounder should have been day two pick, but, uh, Patriots don't count. They're the Patriots. Um, and then also the, my other one would be uh, um, the Bears, not yeah. not helping Justin Fields out. I yeah. like the DBs, though, so I don't want to knock them That's too much. It. That's it. Uh, yeah, and we've talked about this, but I, I, I like the DBs they took, so I'm not – as like down on them overall. Yeah. They, they need I mean, the players. thing with the bears is they do need players yeah. everywhere and their defense clearly needed help. Yes. But if you were approaching this draft and kind of this 2022 season as we have to yeah. make things better for Justin Fields and 
you take your first two picks are defensive backs. I mean, yeah. that's clearly not helping him. They didn't take a offensive lineman until the fifth round, I, I believe. So. And the receiver yeah, that they Jones. took, uh, is like 37 guy. years old. Yeah. yeah. He, he caught passes from Sam Darnold in yeah. USC. He's uh, older than AJ Brown. Yeah. I mean, he just signed a second contract. It's wild. And he's a so, gadget guy. Like he's a yeah. cherry on top pick, yes. not a, uh, a foundational piece, even at the receiver room. So that's, yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, the Bears, that, that was going to be my answer because yeah. of everything we just talked about. It's, uh, it, it was, especially in a draft like this with wide, wide receiver so strong. And I say draft like this one. I mean, wide receiver has been strong every year, but, uh, <laughs> and it probably will be next year. But, you know, still, they, they, passed on some really good players. Um, but I mean, you guys make good points about they, they need help at many other spots. So, you know, Kyler Gordon's a good player. Juan yep. Brisker's a good player. Um, you know, it, it certainly helps their secondary. Their secondary is a lot better than it was a couple of days ago. And that's, that's what was funny. It was like, you know, Robert's like, oh, this is what during the live stuff. But it was like, actually, I like these players yeah, though. Like, right? I want to like say no bears, but I'm also like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I mean, they might, those are two legit starting quality DBs with, you know, some good, you know, good play in front of them. So yeah, I know that's why it's, it's hard to talk about both sides of mouth with them. And, and devil's advocate, um, you know, credit to uh first year general manager, Ryan Poles, who maybe, you know, a lot of first year general managers making their first ever draft picks may be pressured to take uh, just whoever the best receiver is on the board uh, instead of staying true to their, to, to the draft board and taking the best players. Yep. Uh, because they understand this is not a, okay, what's going to make us better in 2022? It's what's going to make us better the next three or four years. And so credit to, to polls for sticking true to the draft board and uh, following the plan they had in place. Yeah. Now just hopefully they'll have some other plans with maybe some undrafted guys or the, I mean, it's not like they were super active in free agency of what are they going to do then to develop Justin Fields and scheme things up to make it easier on him next year. Things that the Nagy regime, regime um, certainly did not do. Nate, you you mentioned the Patriots and you kind of like breezed past them because Bill Belichick operates on a different plane and obviously has different valuations on guys. But when you look at the Patriots class, uh, what was weird to you about it other than the Cole Strange? Yeah. And this pick. is kind of, it's just so hard with the Patriots because Dane has made this point is that they're just going to do what they do. They have their own board. They have their small board. They have their positions that they like. And they're like, we're going this guy here or this group of players here. And that's what we're taking. Like a Taekwon Thornton, who yeah. I liked as, as like a fourth round type. Interesting. Take the top off the defense. They take him in the second round when there's other kind of more down to down receivers. As for this, I think Taekwon Thornton is going to be more specialty type early on and develop more of his game. Um, I, I think Dane, the, you speak better to this. Their DB picks, their corner picks were kind of against type, mm-hmm. I guess is interesting, a good way to put it. Even, uh, I did like Pierre Strong. He's a long speed guy and it more of a glider, kind of a one cut guy. Can't really make a lot of guys miss. It gives them a different flavor. I actually didn't hate that, but, um, it was really more their day one and day two picks that I kind of was like, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's Patriots are doing Patriots things. All right. Who is your favorite? fit when we're talking player with scheme whether that was a first round guy a day two guy somebody today where you're just like this guy ended up in the exact right spot for him so um, i kind of mentioned him earlier but sky Moore. um yeah i'm surprised yeah. he was the 13th receiver drafted there were a dozen receivers class, drafted right? ahead of, right and yeah. So to get him outside the top 50, to get him as a 13th receiver, again, not an apples to apples comparison in terms of being a replacement for Tyreek Hill. Nobody is, but a, a guy that, 
and, and you, Nate, mentioned this earlier about being a little more physical at receiver, uh, you know, with a guy like Juju. And, and that's what with Sky Moore, yeah, he's got speed, but he also plays really well through contact. Yep. And especially with the quick game and catch and run opportunities. And so I love that fit going to that offense with Pat Mahomes. Um, I, that, that, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I also wanted to ma- uh, mention Zach Tom uh, in the fourth round, goes to Green Bay. Uh, not going to, I hate putting this on him, but there are some similarities to Tom and uh, Bakhtiari when he was coming mm. out. Uh, this undersized tackle who maybe is a center. Uh, can he hang at tackle? And so there are some similarities in terms of the athleticism and what they do well. Um, so I'm really interested if there's, you know, maybe a situation that would understand how to use a guy like Zach Tom. I think it's the Packers. So I really like that landing spot for him in the fourth round. Yeah, Sky Moore was one of mine as well. I, I, that was like one of those. It's like, really, you guys let this happen? <laughs> yeah, that one was actually kind of stunning. I'll even say that word. Uh, but one of my favorites was it was in the first round it was Zion Johnson to the Chargers, mm-hmm. and yeah. I just love that as far as player team fit, team need, uh, shoring up like or strengthening a unit that we're all excited about, but making it even better and actually like more of the way to make it better than what we think. Oh, add another receiver. It's like, no, let's shore up the line a little bit more. Yep. And then we'll add those receivers. Um, another one in the first round is Kyrie Elam to the Bills. Love that as far as they needed a second corner. That's perfect for him as far as, far as personality, as far as competitiveness. Um, really, really like that fit for them. A smarter player um, as well. And then the last one from round one, because I'm unoriginal, uh, would be Daxon Hill with the Bengals. Nice. Um, I, I like that. Playing in the slot. He's got other safeties that kind of a different type of skill set than they have. And also like and brought this up on the live show, really excited to see what they do with him on third downs as far as a cover guy. And as far as a pressure guy, because of what the Bengals like to do. So that was another one I was at, at, but before the draft, didn't even think of that kind of fit. And then after it happened, I was like, man, I really, really like that one. Aside from the Patriots and Cole strange, I think after the first round, uh, you know, on Twitter and everything else, the, the most negative feedback I heard was from Bengals fans, uh, you know, going with a safety, and then, okay, well, then I made sure I tweeted, there's nothing on this guy's tape that says he can't play outside corner. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the versatility that makes Dax Hill so impressive, yes. whether he's in the nickel, he's outside, he plays uh, more of a, a two-safety look. However you want to use him, he can do that. He has the athleticism. He's a smart guy. So I love – I'm with you. I love that fit, and I think – uh, you know, for the Bengals fans listening, I mean, I, I think that they got a really good player and uh, a scout put it perfectly with uh, with Dax Hill. He told me he's gonna be the best Michigan defensive back since Charles Woodson. Uh, I mean, and that that's we're talking about uh, over you know 20, 20 years ago. So, years, yeah. you know, this he has a chance to be a really good player. And it just fit what they needed, right? I mean, yeah. their offense. I mean, obviously, their offensive line needed a lot of work, but they went real mm-hmm. heavy offensive line in, in free yep. agency. And they need a defense help, they, yep. especially in their in their secondary. So I like that they had a plan. And I know you guys, I'm, I'm sure Nate and Robert, you guys are going to get into some of the plan and what did we learn about mm-hmm. some of these teams um, in the next show. Um, I would say Drake Jackson was also one of my favorite fits. Okay, um, well. yeah, just because one. of just because of what the Niners do for defensive linemen yeah. and the way that they develop talent there. It like kind of is a luxury pick, right? You know. Yep. They, they have a lot of defensive linemen, but they just do such a good job of whoever they get in there. And a guy who's kind of as athletic as he is, um, I can just like, I can just picture it right now. Yeah, that's I can great already one. see the way yeah. that they're going to develop him. That, that um, was a really good one. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move into our favorite kind of just overall moment 
of the draft. You guys watched, I don't even want to know how many hours of television, um, ESPN, NFL Network, a lot of weird stuff happened over the course of the draft. What are the couple of things that are going to like stick in your brain of like, when I think back to the 2022 draft, maybe the non, you know, schemey stuff, you know, football fits and stuff. What do you, what are your favorite moments from this weekend? Yeah, I mean, a couple of the celebrations were really cool. Yeah. Like the the kid that was up there for the Giants pick yep. with Thibodeau. The Thibodeau. That, was that, was one of my that was really cool. That was that a was, lot of fun. That and fun. that kid had an awesome interview on Saturday. He went onto the NFL Network set yeah. with Rich Eisen, yep. and yep. Rich like flipped it. He got out of his chair, gave the mic to this kid, and let him like do the interview. And he was freaking awesome. <laughs> I was like, gonna say energy. Yeah. Just and we get him a podcast yeah. on the Athletic. It's infectious. We're we, awesome. it was on mute, and we're watching him. And I was like. God, this kid's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Right. Let's stop the podcast. I want to. I want to watch this guy. Like, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is good. So, yeah, yeah, no, that, charismatic. Uh, I, I don't know. For me, the Cole Strange, That's, like that was that was my number one. Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a, a guy that first an awesome player, an awesome person, and so to uh, uh, so, we're rarely surprised. I think in the first round, you know, like maybe a guy gets drafted yeah. a little bit earlier than we think. Yep. But we said it before. This is a draft where we could see third rounders go in the first round, um, and. It, I don't think he's a third rounder for the Patriots, uh, but you know, he's just a, a big surprise. And that, I, I, that was a lot of fun to see him come off the board. Yeah. And now he's just the player, but this, it's funny hearing like Dane's actual thoughts on there because actually during that round one, you know, it's near the end of the round one. It's been a long night. And that like gave us all a second life here in the <laughs> athletic draft house in Las Vegas. It was kind of really fun. And it's one of those years from now, you know, it was my first time doing a show with Dane. Like, and I'll remember that. Like that's, and that's, I think is gonna be really, really cool. And something we look back on. Um, the other one was the guy for the Vikings getting yanked off the stage <laughs> oh, after gosh. he was gone like 15 minutes. That um, was as we're like waiting. Yeah. I immediately started texting everybody I knew who was like working at the draft, yeah. like from the league. And I was like, who is this woman? I need to know. Yeah. She's the yeah. MVP. Her name is Ashton Ramsberg. She used to work for the league office. Now she, um, doesn't work for the minority, but she was the stage manager there. Right. And um, apparently, do you remember a couple of years ago when Kevin Hart tried to like sneak onto the stage after the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Oh, and there was like, no, there's like, he tried to like, he was on the field and like was trying to get up onto the stage. And there's a photo of a woman like <laughs> stopping him from like, dude, you can't, I know you're Kevin Hart, but like, same woman. So is she is oh, same woman. Um, wow. So yeah, MVP. She's so she's for yeah, the, I was gonna the say, league she's office and operations. Um, yeah, like Super Bowl, major events, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, that's, she I had to look that player MVP. up. Uh, it turns out he's he's an actor. Like I mean, he yeah. played the NFL, but yeah. he's been an actor for the last you know thirty years or so, and so he's verbose and you know yeah. a little you know kind of. <laughs> this is my moment. I'm going to take my fifteen a ham, minutes. A ham, if you will. Yes, yeah, literally fifteen minutes. Yes. Uh, so that was bizarre. It's just so funny. Of like we're in here because we have the 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 show on mute. And and producer Kent will do a great job of turning the sound on for when the pick happens. And I felt bad for Kent because he didn't know he kept trying to turn it up and on, <laughs> yeah. and like waiting for the guy to finish. So he kept, yeah, so it was just a very funny sequence of Robert's trying. Like we're trying, like do we pause? Do we kill time? You know. So it was that was a very funny sequence. So Nate, you live in Vegas. I know yeah. you guys are at a undisclosed locations <laughs> near Vegas where you top guys have secret, been uh, yeah. top secret location. Although I guess you guys are going to be gone probably by the time this airs, but um, how do you think Vegas did? What, what was the vibe like in town? You know, as somebody who lives there regularly, yeah. um, how'd Vegas do? I think they did well. They are really, I think their new, um, uh, uh, their new slogan for the city is to emphasize that they're the stadium. Like the, the whole city is a stadium. 
Like they want, oh, I think the city's arena. I think that's their phrase or anything. I'm just butchering a great Las Vegas logo that I am. Um, but they're really emphasizing sports. And this is, this was a way to signal it a couple of years ago. And then COVID happened. So this was supposed to be their way to kind of signal that they got the stadium. They got a Legion stadium. Now they got T-Mobile arena. So I think there's, this is a good way to like show that they can host it and almost like a trial run for the Super Bowl as well. Uh, but I mean, it was over 400,000 people, I believe that came in town. Um, it was, I think they did a good job. Uh, it was very, weird to see it kind of the construction happening and on the strip and i was like where is this all happening also and i was like oh the bellagio fountains and all that stuff so Uh, you um, put it best when you said that uh you're not used to traffic here oh yes but i mean this week this weekend the last three days the traffic was you know you it put you back a little bit it did it was like it should have only been 20 minutes to get to our undisclosed location and it was like the first day it took me like 50 minutes to get here and i've gotten so spoiled i lived in atlanta and then the bay area and then moved to vegas so i went from terrible traffic terrible traffic and i was like this is amazing everything's 12 minutes away so i i was throwing a little bit of hissy fit about that when (laughs) i came in on thursday night and it kept me from going to the strip at all but i think they did a very good job i'm uh, i'm excited it's it's amazing i mean i i flew in on wednesday and on my flight i had a layover in chicago the amount of bears fans on my flight like you guys don't pick in the first round remember i mean like it it didn't matter i mean they were here for the fun and i mean it's the draft will be back at some point in Vegas, no doubt about it. The more NFL events will be here yep. based on the success of the last three days. It's a hosting yeah. city. That's It's built to host, and that's what it's really cool. That's something, too, and this is what I was trying to – everyone's like, oh, excited for the Super Bowl. Do you get a lot of fans for that? And that's what I try to explain is that the Super Bowl is almost like a business event, mm. and the draft is the fan event. And yeah. it's like what better city to have fans that people – you know quote-unquote normal people right here in vegas with the strip and downtown and everything so it was, it was good it's going to be interesting the so next year the draft is going to be in kansas city they've awarded it to detroit in a couple of years right. that's coming up in a couple of years and um you know and it was in cleveland last year and some of these cities like it is like their super bowl right yeah, like that's sure. how it was for cleveland last year i think detroit is going to be an excellent host um kansas city will all eat really well when we go there next year <laughs> that's what we um, said you know, <laughs> like, barbecue galore. instead of chris angel they'll hold up a rack of ribs yeah. <laughs> but it, and and i love and i love kansas city i mean it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite trips i've got family who lives there and so you know it, it's a fun place to visit but like at some point I do wonder if they're going to kind of get into a rotation of like, these are the best cities to host it. And it doesn't mean it's going to be in the same city every year, but like, do we have to give it to everybody or it works well in Vegas? Let's go back and throw the best freaking party right, in huh? the spring. Right? And, and not only the draft, but the combine, yeah. the combine could be on the move and other fan events. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, the success of a, a place like this, uh, you know, really makes you think about how the NFL is going to look look towards the future and how they're going to look to branch out. And yeah. at some point do we get international? I mean, it's just, it, it really is. I don't think the NFL sees a ceiling yeah. for a, an event like the draft that is in, you know, it's in April. So yeah. it's, it, there's a lot of football fans that are just, they want something, they need something and they'll travel for it and they'll have a lot of fun for it. So it's just, it's a really unique event. And I like what yeah. you brought up too, about all the you know Kansas city, Detroit and all that. And Chicago a few years ago as well mm. is cold weather cities aren't going to get the Super Bowl unless you're a dome, you know, yeah. it's just what it is. So this is your way to go like, yeah, we can yeah. freaking host Philly too. had it. Yeah. yeah it, sure. It's our way to host fans and host the NFL and show what we can do as a city and get to show our personality a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's always cool. I like the draft moving as a road show more than the combine. hundred percent. But yes. that is yes. a, that is a rant for another day. I will yeah. say I, <laughs> the combine is going to be back in Indy next year, but at 2023 and 
or 2024 and beyond, I think it's going to start moving. So we'll get one more hurrah in Indy. Um, and we'll see, but I, you know, it was like the NFL just had to get over the, like embracing sports gambling. Like they're there yep. now. That's so let's just put Vegas into the mix for all of these big events. I do want to see, want to make sure that there were no major like incidents, you know, like, you know, there was an incident at the Pro Bowl, right? I mm. mean, a player was literally arrested because of a fight, you know, hours after the Pro Bowl. I mean, they let him play in the game, even though it's a whole other, it's right. a whole other uh, right. topic. But we, I think we want to make sure that there were no, you know, all the guys who came to Vegas. I think they were okay. able to leave Vegas. There were no yeah. big, well, there and, were no big issues, but let's bring that's it back. That's one of the, yeah. the unique things is because there's only about 20, 25 players that come here. And usually it's, I mean, they're, they're doing something every minute of the day. And yeah. then as soon as they get drafted, they're on a plane out of here. So yeah, they're really, the, the player interaction part of it is, is really different than other events. Yeah. I think a lot of players were trying to find excuses to come to this one. Sure. <laughs> this draft. They're like, yeah, uh, you might not go to day two, bud, but uh, Matt well, Corral. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to go there anyway. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brees Hall was still hanging out. Yeah. He like showed back up in his yeah, t-shirt was, yeah, like a couple that, hours after. I know. I noticed that when we were watching. Yeah. Uh, that was funny. Also, I just saw him walking back out with a white t-shirt yeah. on, right? <laughs> he, he was a, the virtual green room. He was in a hotel yeah. and for, for the day one. And then, yeah, that was cool that he was part of it on day two. That is. Yeah. Last thing before we go, who won the draft? Who won the uh, draft? Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll lean the Jets. Uh, I mean, I think with the, what they did, uh, getting Sauce, getting Garrett Wilson, uh, Jermaine Johnson, and then Brees Hall. I mean, I think in terms of impact, I will go with the New York Jets. Yeah, Jets is a good answer. And then the other one is the Ravens. I yeah. think I think flip a coin for which one I decide on. Yeah. But I'll go with the Ravens uh, because just what they did, like I said, Day one of the two picks, day two, they got some interesting players. And then day three with the plethora of four, fourth rounders, it's, I mean, that's the thing with those six fourth rounders or whatever they had. Only two need to hit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you don't even need to go 50 50. Maybe one has to hit. And, and then they'll get comp picks for them yep. and be picking in the fourth round again and they'll and then, start the cycle over it, again. Do it sure. again. Yep. Uh, uh, just repeat it. We made it right, Dane. Every single guy who was drafted was in your draft guide. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, 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 I'll double check it again, but I'm pretty sure 262 for 262. Congrats. So we made right, it so another year. Dane won the draft. Um, hey, so thank you for being an indispensable resource for all of us. So thank you guys for listening to the athletic football show. Make sure you rate subscribe. Um, the athletic is just flooded with content right now from our beat writers all across the country, our national writers, winners, losers podcast from the course of the weekend. Nate and Robert will be back Sunday night with another wrap up pod. Um, Robert and I are going to be back early next week talking about kind of the, the big questions that are still left. So thank you guys so much for going on this ride with us. It's been really fun and we will talk to you next week. This was the athletic football show.